Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes, until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm a feminist, but... It's great to be back. There were, we're so excited to be back, and um, I'm a feminist, but uh, I always, when I get into a new town, I always Google the town and feminism just to see who else is doing what, whether there's an exhibition I could go to, or any, anything I could connect in with. And uh, today I came into Wellington, and I Googled feminism Wellington, and I was <laughs> secretly delighted. <laughs> but the first thing that came up was this show. <laughs> Obviously, I want other things to be going on in Wellington. I don't want this to be the only feminist thing, but the fact that it was the first feminist thing did make me secretly happy, like, yeah, bitches. <laughs> and then the second thing, which made me laugh, was, uh, is there a man drought in New Zealand? Data, data from the... T just Yes, you, you agree with Google because it says data from the 2013 census showed that nationally New Zealand is well and truly in the midst of a man drought as there are only about 82 single men for every 100 single women in the country. All the more worrying is the figure that within the prime mating age of 25 to 29... Oh, 25 to 49. Sorry, 49. Don't panic. Don't panic, everybody. Calm down. You haven't 
You've not missed the boat, whatever age you are, that's clear, but even according to this horrendous piece, uh, it says, uh, even within the prime mating age, there are only 91 men per 100 women. So uh, just give us a shout if you are a single man in tonight. <laughs> if you're a single straight man, could you just give us a shout? <laughs> the drought is well and truly active in Wellington, isn't it? What's your name, sir? Oh! You're the soldier. <gasps> I'm so sorry. I seem to have brought, there must be others. I seem to have brought you the only single man in Wellington twice. Twice. Any other single men in? No, okay. You're definitely not going home alone. I'm a feminist, but. My husband messaged me today to say he'd bought a clothes dryer using credit card points, and I've never been more aroused. Because <laughs> it's basically free. It's free. It's and free. the clothes are going to be dry. Oh, look, damp is only attractive if you're moss. <laughs> Isn't it? I'm so, I'm so excited about towels and sheets. Anyway. Is what you're saying is your husband's going to get laid when you get home? Because of the dryer. Or the dryer will. <laughs> Can I just say I'm so excited that our soldier is back. I've just decided you're our soldier because we loved you last time and we met another soldier in Christchurch and he was great, but he wasn't you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Soldiers in New Zealand are very much drawn to this show. Actually, there is only two of them. We don't seem to attract soldiers in other countries, do we? What's that? You, we, we don't seem to attract soldiers in other countries. Like, I don't know. We don't normally have soldiers in the audience. It's, it's a... To be honest, I think he heard you. He said he heard you on the last show, so he thought he'd come along. I think you're doing the Lord's work, but just very slowly, <laughs> one soldier at a time, one a year, which is, you know, thank you. I'm a feminist, but... <laughs> As a Māori woman... I will always stand to sing a waiata totoko for a male who is speaking. I will sing especially in tune if they're talking about land back. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... Uh, this afternoon, uh, we were talking about uh, the fact that my hair is turning grey. And, uh, and I said that I don't mind that my hair is turning grey. Uh, but it's not because of feminine empowerment or feminism. It's because um, I think I'll stop getting mistaken for a male child um, <laughs> quite as often as I do. Particularly when wearing a mask. Uh, my girlfriend and I recently, we went on a steam train in the UK and we were standing on the platform and the, uh, and the train came along and this old man turned his entire body to me and went, choo-choo-choo. <laughs> what can you do, eh? I just said, choo-choo-choo. 
didn't know that story. Mm. Um, Grace is 35 today. Mm, that's right. Um, but not too old for the choo-choos. No. <laughs> Are we ready to start the show? Yeah. Then welcome, welcome, welcome to the Guilty Feminist. Please give it up for Cal Wilson, Arahia Latham, and Grace Petrie. Three incredible women will be seeing a lot more of this evening, along with our brilliant Wellington Wellington, you were our favorite show last time. Yeah, you were. You were our favorite show of the tour. Um, you were right before. We had the best, we had the night of our life. And I remember Grace saying at the end, she just went, it's just not going to get better than this. Um, that was the end of February 2020. <laughs> there was references to COVID in the show, but it was something like about a cruise ship that had come into New Zealand. It was like, what is this COVID of which we hear? I'm sure it won't affect our lives. You can go back and listen to it. We're literally saying, I doubt it'll affect us. And then, and then, not making this up, we were saying we should come back. We had such a good time in New Zealand, but especially Wellington. And we thought, right, we've got to come back later in the year. Grace was like, I'm not leaving it because, you know, we, would, we were just, I don't know, there was something about the Wellington energy. Um, like we walked into a lesbian bar and they said, your money's no good here. And so I went to leave thinking we were being thrown out and Grace was like, no, that means we're not paying for drinks. Pull up at Barstool. It was fantastic. I don't remember the name of it. Does anyone know the name of it? The Ivy. There's only one, so you know it was definitely that one. And Grace has a song called Ivy. Oh, this is lovely. Grace, go and sing that song out the front of the Ivy and we get free drinks again. Um, and it was, just, it was just a totally wonderful time. And we just, there was something about you that just, it was just like feminist church. Um, last night, we played Auckland, and it was our favorite show of this tour. <laughs> the Jaffas said you might say that. <laughs> I didn't know what a Jaffa was, but that someone said, send love from the Jaffas. And I was like, oh, like there's a little sweet, so the, the orange and the chocolate. And... Uh, that you have in cinemas in Australia, and they went, mm -mm -mm. <laughs> They said it stands for just another fucking Aucklander. Yes! Absolutely, but they, uh, there was, it was just something, it was so lovely, I don't know, it was just like a big hug, that show. And we do, obviously, I, I mean, you obviously come to a show, you always judge the show, you don't mean to, I don't mean you've come here in a judgmental fashion, you've come here to have a good time. Um, you know, we know you're a guilty feminist audience, we're excited to play for you. But of course you do. Well, that was better than last time. That was it was a bit long. You'll say that. It's always a bit long. And, you know, we loved that part. We loved this one, that kind of thing, of course. But we also judge audiences. Um, we do. You can't help it. We've been on a tour. We've been, we've been flying in in the day, performing at night. So it's just like going across Australia and New Zealand and having a series of one-night stands <laughs> in every town. You can't not compare them. Like, that would be weird. Um, and so, you know, Perth was... Adelaide we did first, which was a riot, but Perth was a revolution. It was absolutely extraordinary. And then we got to Canberra, <laughs> which was like all the school captains <laughs> of Australia had moved to Canberra to make the rules and then immediately follow them. And the, the people were very like the, the, 
the, the town planning. And I, I, we loved it. They were so sweet. They were so nice. They were really wonderful. And there were like ministers in the audience. It was very, very lovely. We did two nights there. And I learned how, the second night, I learned how to play that room. I told them that Perth were better. And they were like, no, we're not having that. We will win at anything. We don't care if that is drunken rowdiness. Um, so, yeah, so we, uh, we, we've been just loving it. But I've been looking forward to this show more than any other show because of last year. Uh, no, I say last year. I'm sorry. I'm blocking out the last two and a half years <laughs> of vacuum horror. Just me at home going, oh, when will it end? Because in London, you know, we had these really severe lockdowns that went on for nearly two years. What was it like in Wellington? Freedom. I don't want to hear that. Where's the sisterhood when I need it? Also terrible, also terrible. Yeah, but you guys locked down earlier and then, but you didn't quite lock down in the way we locked down, did you? No. Worse, harder. Are you just saying that now? Hard and early. It's like a series of one night stands around the country and hard and early is how I like it. Asleep by 10, very satisfied. <laughs> hard and early, people, hard and early. It's better than soft and late. <laughs> Both unsatisfying and exhausting. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I find this, this is a gorgeous space, obviously. This is a huge and gorgeous space. Um, but the stage is very high. And I don't really like that because I know that the people sitting here right in front of me are having the same view of me that I have of myself when I accidentally open my camera phone the wrong way around and go, oh, God! I really prefer everyone to be in the dress circle. When I'm successful enough, these seats will not be for sale. It will just be, I'll do four nights in this venue, but you'll all be sitting above me in that flattering selfie angle. I understand that I'm 75% more attractive to people sitting higher. This is... Who, who looks so much better in real life? Me. Do I? That's so kind of you. Stop it. Um, I've worn a sequined cape because I want you to feel you've had your money's worth. Now... Thank you so much for saying that. I don't think that's true. I think, I'm, I think I'm photogenic and I know my angles. So I kid myself, I look like my best photo out angle all the time, no matter what angle you're at, because it gives me confidence to do so. So I really appreciate that very charming lie. It's the greatest, the Guilty Feminist audience, the greatest hecklers in the world. You're beautiful, we'll help with whatever you need. It's always like, the most common heckle we get at the Guilty Feminist is, how can we help? It's true, a guest will be talking, we're getting there, and they'll be like, how can we, how, what can we do? What can we do? Um, you're really wonderful people, I will say that. And I do feel like, uh, if we locked the doors on an average Guilty Feminist audience, we could probably solve a good 25% of the world's problems, just with the people in that room. Which brings me to this, Wellington. I've been going around the UK and Australia and New Zealand um, uh, or Aotearoa, is that correct? Aotearoa? Aotearoa, Aotearoa. Yeah, okay, that's better, that's better, thank you. I have a terrible ear and I'm really working on it. Now, uh, we've been going around asking people, what acts of feminism have you done since we've been away? 
And uh, I have to, if you've been listening to the podcast lately, you will have heard me asking audiences around the UK and Australia. What I will say to you is this. I like to start with a low bar. Uh, has anyone got a lowly act of feminism that's going to make other people go, yeah, sure. And I say this. You've worn your short shorts. Thank you. Wellington, you've immediately understood the assignment. In Canberra, somebody went, I co-founded, and I went, no. Most people will never co-found anything. Um, the, we can get to those things. Yes, what was yours? I earned my own money. That's like a Victorian one. That's a feminist from 1879 going, I earned my own money. But no, it's a good, listen, I asked for a low bar and that's, 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 I'm thrilled. You're really getting it. So other people here, I can see your faces around the front are going, yeah, I've got better than that. Great. I gave my nephew a Barbie for Christmas. Very nice. Was it one of those Barbies of a feminist? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, now Barbie are, tr are going more, f you know, they're trying to kind of go Frida Kahlo. Or was it a Barbie with unrealistic body standards? Because it could, that's a sort of a tricky feminist one, isn't it? It's like, I gave a boy a Barbie, not confirming gender stereotypes. I gave him an image of a woman that in real life wouldn't be able to stand up due to teeny tiny feet and very large breasts. Um, what was that? One with no head. <laughs> that sounds more like a Halloween present. You do not like this nephew. No. Oh, he took the head off. Watch him. Um, anybody else? You can go higher if you want, yes? Hold on, hold on. Now, our audience member there said I kicked a man in the balls. People automatically applauded. And I'm going to question that because that is violent assault and we don't yet know what the man did. He could have just been walking down the street. Could you explain more? Was this in self-defense? It, it, it was a Saturday night. He smashed your front door in. Oh my God, so you kicked him. No bra, you ran outside. That's an extra feminist element there. I ran outside with no bra and I had not shaved my legs. Go on. The guys disappeared, but you have a camera on your front door. So they went to a party across the road. So when you say this was in self-defense, you pursued the assailant to a second location. You confronted them and said, hey, you smashed our door in. And now you're going, and then they went to a party. What kind of burglars? Smash your door, Were they, was it just a violent, reckless act? Drunken, violent, reckless act. So you went to the party, so followed them to a party and said, excuse me, but you seem to have smashed my door in. And he said, no, we didn't. 
And I said, you did. This is, I've got to say this, because otherwise the podcast listeners won't be able to hear. Go on. There is, a, there is a mic down the front. If you've got a long one, can you come and do it? This is so much better. Like, if it's just, I'm wearing short shorts, obviously don't come down, I'll just... But if it's a story of this length, I mean, this sounds more like a police report now, and I... I'm, is anyone doing a sketch? Um, what's your name? Sarah. Sarah, would you just tell the rest of the story into the mic? Because it's... it's it, go on, Sarah. Big round of applause for Sarah. I, I should pad here, because poor Sarah's getting down. Big round of applause for Sarah! <laughs> Great. Super. So, Sarah, tell us. So, he smashed our front door in. I was happily watching um, Bridgerton. Um, okay. <laughs> you were watching Bridgerton. Do you want to turn it this way so you can sort of talk on to them a, as well? On a Saturday Great. night. You were at home on a Saturday night. Home Picture it now. Um, watching the corseted drama, yeah, shagging yeah. against ladders, having it, yeah. just thinking, oh, this is a lovely Saturday this night. A lovely Saturday what a night. charming Saturday night, you thought. And um, this guy smashed our front door. Suddenly your door burst open. Suddenly the glass smashed the everywhere. The glass smashed everywhere. Terrifying. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. That's, that's now, a new one. That's a if new you're one. listening at home, <laughs> are someone on the other side of a 2,000-seat auditorium has just shouted, the door was brand new. We don't have that door a couple of weeks. It's not clear to me. Is that a friend of yours? Is she living a friend in... of mine. And I also just saw a neighbour over there. So you just saw a neighbour He probably knows about the door as well. That is sort of Wellington, isn't it? I, yeah. You're here for a couple of days, you start to recognise strangers. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so you've just bumped into various friends and neighbours here. Did you know they were coming? Or? No. Was coming. Okay, so yeah. Jill's over yeah. there, and Jill's a friend of yours, and yeah. she's adding a detail she's as adding... a feminist act. The door yeah. was brand new. Yeah. You'd only had it for a couple of weeks. The, the glass gets smashed, glass shattered. Gets smashed. Uh, we we see them on the camera. See them on the camera. Approach them. Approach they them. Deny it. I don't need to repeat this anymore. They I get... Hit. <laughs> they get very um, aggravated and pushy, and I can say that. I fight or flight. My instinct is fight. And, um, and they started pushing me around, and so I need them in the balls. Wow. <laughs> so you went to the party to say, hey, you've got to pay for the door. Well, the and police, then he started pushing you around. He started pushing me around, and then the police came. They, and then we, I was on the phone to the police while this was happening, and they were like, well, you're not phoning the police. It's like, I'm on the phone to the police right now and then the police came up there were three cars police cars and um they're like oh they're not here for us and I was like well who do you think they're here for <laughs> um, and did you catch it on camera so you could prove it oh it was on camera so th of them smashing the door yeah wow so that was there so and then the police came and they ran and the police you oh know, they ran so there was a chase them. yeah yeah, it was very dramatic. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not normally a fan of the police, so I always feel awkward when the police turn up in a story, especially because yeah, yeah. of the Met Police in London, so many bad things. Um, but did they catch them? They did catch them. And did they... What happened to them? Well, um, they got taken into the cells for the night, and I think they got... So we decided not to push charges, which I regret now, push charges... Uh, white Do you push men. charges in New Zealand? Not you press can. them. Are oh, we press them? Do you press push charges, them? Pushed. It's quite press charges. 
Yeah, yeah. No, no. Um, I, it's just it's just a, a, a linguistic yeah. difference. I'm not entirely sure what the, op the other option. They did say that they go through some probably diversion, diversion, and um, and I really regret that because later that same week we were broken into oh. the house. Somebody came into our front. So window. you think it might have been them coming back well, or revenge? Who knows? But this person spent 20 minutes in our house. Without us knowing. Oh, and you weren't and there this time to do the fight. No, we didn't you. find out and things. Well, yeah, um, in the morning. I'm so sorry that happened to you, and uh, you're very brave, braver than I am. I or think. Or stupid. Well, as, as someone pointed out to me, it could have gone very wrong. Yes, I don't. Yes, I don't know what the ethics are around this story, but I do know <laughs> that when those men started pushing you around and you pushed back there was a ripple of elation in this audience yeah. because we've all yeah. been at some point yeah. or other pushed around by men. And so I feel like, and, and not hashtag not all men, very few men, but the men yeah. that do it, do it very badly and very frequently. So uh, I am uh, very happy that you're here and Thank that you. everything's Thank okay you. now. Sarah, everybody. Wow. Now, Wellington, we haven't had a story like that anywhere else, just to be clear. Um, so, uh, you're already kind of in the lead. Um, has anybody got anything they want help with? Any, like a feminist thing going on here? Like an activity? Have you got anything that you're doing that you need money for? Volunteers for? What was that? Your friend's running for city council. Your friend's running for city council. Uh, what's your name? No, what's your name? Morgan. Morgan. Is Morgan, is your friend here? Right here. Your friend's here. What's your friend's name? Moana. Moana, like Moana the, the, the animation? No? Luana. Luana, would you like to come out? Luana, everybody making that assumption. Luana, everybody. Luana, are you happy to come out and tell us about how you're running for city council and we should all get behind that effort? <laughs> Morgan, do you want to come out and talk on behalf of Luana? <laughs> Somebody's got to say something now because everyone wants to know how they can support her. Is this, is this Morgan or Luana? Big round of applause for Morgan or Luana. Are you Morgan or Luana? You're Luana and you're running for city council. Okay, great, perfect. Okay, so go behind the mic and uh, tell us. Okay, I'm just fangirling really hard. No, Luana, you're the politician. Okay. Excellent, is this Morgan? This is Morgan. Great, Morgan, come, come join. Excellent. <laughs> Luana, tell us, tell us about what your, what your campaign is. Um, kia ora everybody. I am still fangirling. Um, I'm running for the Eastern Ward for Wellington City Council. I'm the Green Party candidate. Yes. Um, um, and my friend couldn't make it tonight, but also Tori Fano for Mayor. We could have an amazing Mayor of Wellington as well. Wow. So just a shout out to my friend Tori. Wonderful. Yeah. And how can people get behind you and Tori? What can they do? Um, so you can head to the Wellington Greens website, either of our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Find us. Find and, us. And 
can they volunteer? Can they can they campaign for you? Absolutely. We have phone calling on Tuesday. So every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Involved, come and join us. Um, Wellington's great. Wellington's amazing. But but we we need some better people. We better people in charge in government. Okay. So um, so how do they get involved? Just give us a cheer if you would be able to do uh, one afternoon or more's campaigning between now and when's the election? Uh, 8th of October. What, if, if you could do one hour, uh, one afternoon or more's campaigning between now and October, just give me a cheer. <laughs> Great, okay, and that's a Tuesday afternoon. Is that, what if they can't volunteer on a Tuesday afternoon? Plenty of other things they can there do. There are so many. So give us a cheer if you could do something to help between now and the 8th of October. Whether, great. So they could, they could like WhatsApp their friends and say, hey, have Absolutely. you seen this, you know, this, if, if people have got limited time. But if they've got more time, they can come and they can actually volunteer and get involved. Absolutely. So just flick us a message on Twitter or um, Facebook, anything. And, great. Um, and well, how, you know how you can help. What's the, but what's the address? Oh, that's helpful. Um, um, Luanasgocroft.co.nz. Luana? Luana. L-U-A-N-A. Yeah. Scowcroft.co.nz. Scowcroft.co.nz. Yeah. Is that right? Close enough. Scowcroft. <laughs> Thank you. Luana Scowcroft. Yes. And get involved. Uh, and and it, it sounds like there's lots of people that they can support in local government and they can campaign for the mayor as well. Um, it, it really does matter. Can you just tell us one or two of your policies? Absolutely. So um, I think we can all agree that everyone deserves a warm, dry home, especially on these cold winter nights. We need city councillors who are responsible and reactive to our community's needs and make bold decisions that's going to keep Wellington thriving for our kids. Wonderful. Why did they cheer when you said a warm, dry home? Is that not implied, <laughs> Wellington? Who lives, who lives in one of those flats? Okay. Okay, so you live in a cold, damp flat? Is that right? Some people in this city are living in the cold and damp, and you're going to fix that? We're going to try. We're going to try. Okay, all right. Answered like a true politician. Um, uh, well, you know, I, I have great hope uh, that you are going to succeed. Uh, so get behind, and if anybody else here wants to run for local government or get involved in politics, can you advise them? Absolutely, the more the merrier. Okay, so get involved. Just give us a cheer if you think you could be slightly more involved than you are in how Wellington is run. <laughs> then get involved. That's what feminism is. If feminism isn't just going, oh, it'd be great if things were more equal. Feminism is getting involved. Thank you. What was that? Enroll to vote. Just give us a cheer if you're enrolled to vote. Give us a cheer if you're not enrolled to vote yet. Okay, okay. are you too young? No, you just haven't signed up. Sign up. Go to, vote. um, Go to vote.nz. Tell everyone else to enroll to vote in your life. Uh, Luana and Morgan, everybody. Thank you. All right. If anyone else needs help with anything, let us know later in the show. Um, hey. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now, listen... I've been asking audiences sort of where you want us to pitch the show. So I'm going to do like a clapometer. Uh, so if you'd like it to be Radio New Zealand, clap now. If you'd like it to be a night out of good intentions in the pub with a few drinks, clap now. If you'd like it to be a revolution team, clap now. Then Wellington, bring that energy for our first act. She's a stand-up comedian. She's a country woman of yours. Give that orgiastic revolutionary energy for Carl Wilson! Hello, Wellington. Hello. Hello, we're so excited to be here. We're so excited to be back in a room with people. I, I used to live in Wellington, and today when we got here, we were like, we need to go for some lunch. And I was like, I'm going to take you to my favourite cafe. And I got there, and it no longer exists. And then I had to uh, take stock and go, I did live here in 1995. Uh, <laughs> but it was the Lido, and then I was kind of half... I was kind of half excited to discover it only closed in 2021. And I was like, well, it was only a little bit late. But uh, yes, yeah, so and then trying to explain the bucket fountain, and I just gave up. Uh, so we are so excited to be here. I live in Melbourne now, so um, uh, we were in lockdown for about 400 years, and uh, we we was just just so nice to be with people again. We we kept ourselves busy over lockdown. We made up some games at my house. Um, our favourite game was Is it Sunday? <laughs> we just asked each other if it was Sunday until it was Sunday. Um, and our second favourite game was, is it March? <laughs> and it was March for about four months. So, <laughs> we're, and it was, it was sort of tough because we were, you know, locked down with the people that we loved. I've got a, um, I've got a son who's just turned 13, uh, so we're deep into eye-rolling territory. And uh, it's, it's 
it's been confronting, I have to say. Uh, being his mum is, is my favourite thing to do, uh, but it, it, there has been moments when I found it very confronting. Uh, and, and firstly, because he's a, he's a very sporty child, and I am not a sporty person. I, w- I was a theatre kid, and so we, we clash because I don't get the terminology right, because apparently when he goes to basketball, uh, it's called... Um, they're called uniforms, not costumes. <laughs> and he goes to training and not rehearsal. But I can kind of hand, handle basketball because it's only 40 minutes long, right? It's 40 minutes long. There's only five kids in the team. They're all wearing a bright colour. I can identify who belongs to us. The scores are on the wall. I can handle that. That's been okay. He has just taken up cricket. <laughs> it's unlikely, but if you don't know how cricket goes... This is how cricket goes. It starts at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning, and it goes for two years. It is the longest game in the world. It is so long. We have a new game. It's called, is it the afternoon yet? It is so long. If you want to stop time, start a game of cricket. I can't believe, I just can't believe how long it is. It's so long. My husband, who's Australian, sorry, my husband, um, <laughs> when we had our son, right, we, we were talking about we needed a name for our son that kind of um, represented both of our cultures, but under our bowling incident was too long for a form. <laughs> so, so my husband was trying to, because I, I was never into cricket. I'm just not a sport person. And so my husband was trying to explain all the different forms of cricket to me. He was like, you know, you've got your five-day test, and then you've got your one-day test, and then you've got your T20. And I was like, right, so even people that love cricket want there to be less of it. It's just, it's just so... And then I, I just find it so confusing. There's like 60 kids all out on the field. They're all wearing the same pyjamas. I don't know who belongs to us. And, you, and, and the thing about cricket to me is if... It, maybe it would be quicker if you let both teams play the same game at once. Like, one team is having a great time, and then everyone else, they might as well be having a picnic. Like, like or, or at least while these guys aren't playing, at least let them play another sport. Like, you're out there, you're, you're out there with your fielding and you've got your two batsmen. Everyone else, they could have a game of croquet. And then when they get knocked out of croquet, they have a game of patonk. Like, they like, make it a sort of a turducken of sport. That's what I'm suggesting. Or what you should do, because I've had a lot of time to think about this, what you should do is you should just have six batsmen in at once. You have six batsmen, six wickets, six bowlers. They all bowl at once. It's over in 20 minutes. Call it cricket. And the most annoying thing about it is my son is quite good at it. And even I know this, uh, because in his very first game, he took four wickets in the first 20 minutes. And I, <laughs> I know that's good, because my husband texted everyone he's ever met. <laughs> he didn't even do that when our son was born. And my, son, my son's always been quite eccentric too. I really enjoy I, I really enjoy his perspective on the world. And when he uh, started going to primary school, we, our local school was a Catholic primary school, so we sent him there. And we are not Catholic. We're not religious. Uh, this is how this is how not religious we are. We took my son to a wedding when he was four, and as we walked into the church, he went, "Wow, this is a nice castle." So we sent him off to this Catholic primary school, and I was like, you know, we're not Catholic. Um, They have some beliefs at your school, and you just need to respect those beliefs. You don't have to believe them, but you do need to respect them. So, you know, we had a conversation about some people believe that God made the world, some people believe that nature made the world, and we had this big conversation. So we sent him off to this Catholic primary school, and I didn't know how much of the Catholicness was going in until we took him to an Indian restaurant when he was eight, 
and I caught him giving himself communion <laughs> with a mango lassi and a piece of garlic naan. <laughs> and I discovered just how much he'd been listening at school because he'd taken on the idea of transubstantiation, which is when, uh, when you have communion, the, the wafer and the wine become the body and blood of Jesus. He'd taken that on to the extent that as he was giving himself communion, he was doing Jesus's dialogue while it was happening. So he would take a sip of the mango lassie and go, ow, ow, that hurts, what's happening? <laughs> then he would bite the nun and go, ow, Peter, that's my leg, I trusted you. <laughs> it was genuinely one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I was like, darling, that's amazing, please don't do it at school. <laughs> And then we had to take him out of that primary school because there were three bullies who were making his life a misery and other kids' life a misery, and the school wasn't dealing with it. And so he left that school and went on to a different school and had a great time there. And I said to him, I said to him during lockdown, I was like, isn't it great that you never have to see those three little assholes ever again? And he went, them? I call them the assholey trinity. <laughs> and I was like, well, mummy will have that in lieu of rent. That was nice. We did, um, uh, we, we, during lockdown, we tried to keep ourselves busy. People achieved things over lockdown. I don't know whether that happened much here, but people achieved lots of stuff. I had a friend who did an MBA online over lockdown. I was out for a walk with a friend recently. She went, oh, I just can't handle all of these people that did stuff over lockdown and achieved things. She goes, all I did was write a children's book and a young adult novel. <laughs> and I said, we cannot be friends. <laughs> this is what I did over lockdown. I watched 37 seasons of Survivor. <laughs> and now I'm equipped to go, I got nothing for you, head back to camp. It's all I can do, it's all I can do. But we really got into reality television. I know I've said on The Guilty Feminist before that I hate reality television. I've changed my mind, I fucking love it. <laughs> I love it. It's just like pudding. You just sit there and nom, 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 you just eat it all up. We had so many, so many favourite reality shows over lockdown. Uh, one of our favourites was a show called Escape to the Chateau. See, anyone see that? If you haven't seen it, it's a wonderful reality series about a lovely English walrus and his much younger wife. And they move to France and they do up a chateau and they rent it out to other English people because English people love France, but they fucking hate the French. We watched, this is quite niche, we watched every single episode of every single season of Love It or List It, <laughs> Vancouver. <laughs> it's quite niche. I've only ever met seven other people that have seen it. I thought it was just getting beamed directly into our house. It was, <laughs> it was so soothing because the same thing happened every week. It was so consistent. There was always going to be an issue. It was either going to be carpenter ants or the electrics or an oil tank buried in the garden. You could just go, nom, 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 nom. it was just so comforting. The, the only disturbing thing about it was uh, that in Canada, they don't call them splashbacks. They call them backsplashes. <laughs> and to me, that is something that you would want to avoid at all costs. <laughs> and Jillian would be like, I'm gonna put a beautiful backsplash in the kitchen. And I'd be like, no, not hygienic, don't, no. <laughs> the other thing that really bothered me, has anyone, just a show of hands, does anyone actually watch Love It All List of Vancouver? <laughs> I'm home. Uh, uh, so, so I don't know whether you noticed this, but this really, really bothered me, is that in Vancouver, they put the taps on the wrong side of the bath. And I don't mean they put them facing out onto the floor. 
I mean, that you have your bath, and instead of having the taps on the side of the bath or the back of the bath, they're on the front of the bath. So you've got to fight your way past the scalding taps to get into the bath. And I'm like, Canada has enough to deal with. There are bears, there are, there are freezing temperatures, there's Celine Dion and Nickelback. Don't do any more. And you might think, why would that ever bother you? Why, why would you even think about that cow? What's the point of even caring about that show? Well, on Waitangi Day last year, I got to do a Zoom gig for expat Kiwis living in Vancouver. <laughs> and they're really angry about the taps as well. Our favourite show, our favourite show though, our favourite show over lockdown was the Great British Bake Off. Because, oh, it's just, it's just so wholesome and lovely and people doing nice things. And it's just, it just, what I loved about it was it does that perfect thing that good reality TV does. And that is you watch one episode and you are instantly an expert in that thing. And so while I loved the hosts and I loved the wholesomeness and I loved all the bakers, my favourite thing was watching my 13-year-old son turn into a 65-year-old woman. He'd say things like, oh, they can't get rid of Helen. Her piping is exquisite. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us, Wellington. I'll see you in a bit. Carl Wilson, everybody! Isn't she great? Um, anybody here on a date? Chernow? What? Oh, you are. Chernow? Yes. Oh, there's a woo down here. Um, is that, and I don't want to gender anybody, is that a man who wooed there? Yes? Um, I don't assume you're a man. Are you a man? Yes. Did you book the tickets? No. No? You're on a date, but you didn't book the tickets. Because no. I find if it is a heterosexual date, it is usually the man who's booked the tickets, and it's usually a third date. <laughs> They're like, and I'm a feminist. <laughs> now, can I have some, please? But not in your case, sir. No? She booked the tickets? Yeah. Yep. And did you agree to come? Did you know where you were coming? Did she just say it was comedy and then put you in the front row of a feminist show? <laughs> if so, she's brought you here today so you can learn something. I'm Sorry, you were willing? Well, all right, well. <laughs> we're big on consent here, so I, I, would assume, I would assume you're willing. Do you listen to the podcast? Yeah. Yes, you do? You're very monosyllabic, aren't you? You're not really helping me much. <laughs> For someone who's drawn attention to himself and gone, yes, I'm over here. <laughs> you do listen to the podcast? Yes, I do. <laughs> do you enjoy it? How long have you been dating? We're married. Oh, you're married. <laughs> oh, so this is like a date night. Yes. Have you, do you have children? We have one four-year-old four girl and you've left her at home? She's with the family. Okay, so but you've left her with supervision. <laughs> you've dropped her off somewhere safe, and you've come out for your date night. You're having a dinner as well. Yeah, we did have dinner. So she booked that as well. Great. She booked that. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. So you've done nothing for this date night. <laughs> the women always do the emotional labour, but the thing is, what you have to remember is he was working, because I'm sure she was not working. Please bear in mind I have a four-year-old. Um, so you booked the tickets. Do you identify as a feminist, sir? <laughs> the confidence of men. You know, there are enough of us. We could just crush you. 
Why only sort of? There's too much to explain. There's too much. <laughs> it's all right. Stay in a seat. Stay in a seat. It's not Jerry Springer. There's too much to explain. What, what's, what's your name? You, you don't have to say anything identifying. No, no. No. St stay in your seat, Sarah. Greg's wife, what's your name? Sarah. Oh, you're Sarah too. Sarah, uh, would you say he identifies as a feminist? He's learning. He's got his training wheels on. Oh. Did you introduce him to the podcast? Okay. Um, what do you do for a living, Greg? You don't have to say the name of the company, but don't actually don't. <laughs> Sorry? You're a panel beater. Okay, interesting. Um, is that, what was that? That explains a lot, Sarah said. I've delved too far. Um, I was hoping you were going to say you're a stockbroker or something so that you would give money to all of these uh, local government women. But I think panel beaters probably do earn quite a lot. So that would be quite a feminist act. Or you could volunteer, you could do the phones. Greg, if you're looking for opportunities to improve your feminism and get your card, your loyalty card stamped. Is anyone else on a date or? <laughs> Let's come over to our soldier. Can I just ask, um, I've forgotten your name. Can you just remind me of your name? Tony, that's right. Let me do that again, because for the podcast audience at home, they'll just think I've remembered it. Because it was two and a half years ago. Let's go over to our soldier. It's Tony, isn't it? <laughs> Tony, have you been promoted since we saw you last? You have. What's, what's your rank now? Lance Corporal, have you converted any more of your... Because I remember last time you told us that you used to play the Guilty Feminist loudly in the barracks so other soldiers would hear it. Have you converted anyone else? You're working on it. Okay, while you're there, could you have a go at Greg? <laughs> he also needs help. Um, anybody here with their mum? Anyone here with their dad? Um, don't applaud more for the dad than the mums. The bar is very low for men, isn't it? It's like, he came! It's like... The other night, I found a man in the audience who was, who was, he said, oh, I'm training to be a primary school teacher. And everyone went, oh, my God, I want to marry him now. <laughs> and then I said, how many women here are teachers? And like half the audience went, yep. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> People just went, why are you not home marking? <laughs> Give us a cheer if you're a teacher. Yeah. Give us a cheer if you're... <laughs> Thank you. who had to look after their own children during lockdown. <laughs> Thank you for taking them back. I never want to attempt to teach them again. They're awful human beings and I can't do teaching. I don't remember maths. Indeed. Anyone in the medical profession? 
Excellent. Social, social conscience jobs. Like anyone, anyone feel their job, their their job is making the world a better place. I've discovered everybody in my audience is either a teacher of some sort, a medic of some sort, or in some way or another they're making the world a better place, or they are doing a dissertation on Virginia Woolf. <laughs> anyone doing a dissertation on Virginia Woolf? Yes, uh, there's always one. There's always one. Is it, is it, are you doing exactly that or something similar? Where are you? What are you doing? No, she's gone quiet. She's thinking about the waves. Um, <laughs> she's just in a headspace of one's own. Um, <laughs> has anyone got a job they want to tell us about? That they, you're a builder. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Have you built anything in Wellington? Have you built anything in Wellington? Several things. You've built some apartments. Which part of the building do you do? The what bits? The best bits. I feel I want to go on a tour around Wellington so you can point at things you've built. I think so few people now have a job where they can say that wasn't there before. Most people have a job where they go, I managed something. And you go, what is it? What did you manage? I don't know. It was some ideas that are now a project. The project's over. Some people did some things. I consulted on something. I gave some advice. I don't know if they followed it. That's nine-tenths of jobs now. There's nothing to show for it. So I love that you have something. You can go, I built that building. How many men versus women uh, and non-binary people are on any given building site, in your experience? A what? 110% of men, and then there's you. Do you ever experience sexual harassment? I'm too old for that now. Oh, wow. Do you stand up to them when they do it? We love you. We're going to talk about that a little later on. But for now, our next guest uh, is a poet. She is a kaitahu, Māori writer, traditional rongwa health practitioner, and mama living in Wellington. Her work has been published and anthologized widely. She has been the arts columnist for the Dominion Post and has presented at many writing and arts festivals across Aotearoa. Please put your hands together and make incredible, orgiastic, revolutionary noises for the wonderful Arihara Latham! Tēnā <laughs> 
ki te korero ki a koutou nga taku ngā kou, ka tū au i te wahi o aku tipuna, uh, ki te korero ki a koutou o ngā wahine tino toa. Um, it's an absolute privilege to be here tonight. I feel like I stand here not just as myself, but as my friend Nicole Titehuia Hawkins, who was going to be here tonight. And I also stand here as part of a huge ropu of Māori writers who I always get support and incredible um, inspiration from. I also stand here with all of my tipuna behind me, as we always do. So I'd love to read to you some poems tonight. Um, and these are um, in honour of my amazing um, ropu of wahine around me, um, this incredible writers group that we are part of who are feminists to the core. So, kei mihi ki Check my tone, Mareikura. Will you check my teeth, Mareikura? Have I got enough lipstick on them as I breathe fire into the audience before my lips melt with the words burning on my tongue? Will you check my butt, Mareikura? Is it juicy enough to fill the seat I had to fashion for myself at this table? Are my thighs thick enough to crush Maui again and again? Will you check my tone, Marekura, that it is both sing-song enough to lure them in with my tokenistic presence, yet violent enough to let them know that I'm not here to forget the past? Thank you. This next uh, poem is called Rui Ruia. It is uh, the first part of a three-part poem which was published through um, uh, a wānanga, a gathering of Māori women, um, and the whole book is full of Māori female writers. Um, and in, in itself, it was um, an act of um, activism against um, colonisation, against the patriarchy, and as an uprising of women's voices. Should I feel discomfort here? Te Raupara had battled my tipuna for a decade. It's very hard when the tangata whenua are smiling and singing when the kai is glazed carrots and cream lamingtons. Am I a lazy descendant? Where is my fight? My nervous system ticks over. I recline on the mattresses beneath another arihia. Surely that's a sign? A sparrow flies inside the kai, and my heart flaps. A sign. Does it matter that it's the wrong bird? It was the colonizers that brought the muskets. Perhaps the thing to lay to rest is the genealogical trauma. To notice the elephant sparrow in the room. After all, it's not a piwaiwaka bringing a tohu of the past or the future. Is time linear and do birds care? My cousin Ruby is a songbird. We are Sparrow and Piwaiwaka. Why can't I sing like her? She flings her arms and the sparrow finds the window. I am carried by the current of Wananga. I wonder how the awa can keep cleansing us. 
How does it keep flowing to the sea? I am eddying. The karaka berries make the air sweet and fragrant. The poison is in the seed. Our poison was in the seed. If you know how, the river can wash it away. Dusk, women gather at the hour to cleanse the poisoned kernels of colonization, of the patriarchy. But I miss the swim, waiting for my baby. Moke moke mana, he kakano, he kakano ia. These last precious moments when my thoughts are going to seed, wanting, waiting, eddying. The night curled like fruit to her seed. I hold my baby as the fare begins to shake. Ru, rui, ruia. The young ones out front with blankets said lightning came first. Faitiri conducting ruomoko. She flings her arms. The windows rattle. Seriously, did we need another sign? I pick figs at Tukore here, their flesh spongy beneath my fingers. We pull them open and they are full of pollen. More flower than fruit. Still born. Is it a sign of my impatience? Genealogical friction? These fruits have no scent. Yet the smell of karaka wafts, tempting our female senses. We are forever the putiputi and the poisoned fruit. This last poem was written uh, from an aeroplane. Um, it was terribly turbulent and scary and at a really, really challenging time, which it has been these last couple of years for most of us. Um, but it's called All the Fucks of a Waterbird. <laughs> I look around the plane with a song about colours folding warmth into my ears and through my strung out eyes, all the people are glowing their hearts chattering in the high-altitude reality we have chosen together. Putting faith in flying reminds me of holding a tiny newborn. The fragility, the perfection, the terror. The unbelievably deep well of heat in my chest expanding to my fingertips. I watch the couples do couple things and the people alone zone in and out and families nervously juggling. I fall in love with them all in their imperfections and lost dreams. And this realization surprises me in my stressed out head. It is like we are in a climate change COVID sandwich. We're flying through a hurricane and we're all in masks. I can't even see people's mouths and maybe that's why our eyes are catching and leaking. And maybe we could die up in this tin arrow because down there is no party either. Up here, I care more. It's like giving zero, but all the fucks. My skin is the clouds, my breath, the wind, my chest is still holding the sun. I give zero, but I give a hundred. Can you feel it? I start to cast us all as birds. We've become a feathered V formation, just the same close up, but this distance shows down below that we have shit worked out. Look at the shape we can fly in when you thought we were just a viable dinner possibility. How is it that we take ourselves so seriously when we are the centre 
and the edge, the beginning and the end, the joke and the punchline, the breath in and the breath out, the first kiss and the last goodbye, the fire and the ashes, the rain and the river, or every grey shudder of mist in between, nothingness, moments of silence, of spit, of staring and unknowing. I wonder if we are just like the water cycle, recycling our love for each other. Ranginui and Papatsuanuku transmuting their love and loss through us, and we just keep transforming it, punching it into places, pissing it, absorbing it, crying it, drinking it, swimming in it, bleeding it, floating in the current of it, drowning in it, evaporating into the expanse, hovering in the culmination of it, hoping for another chance to fall again. Kia ora. Ari Hiran Latham, everybody. Ari Hiran Latham. Now, Ari here, could you just tell us where we could see you, buy your books, support you? <laughs> well, um, I have my own book, Imminent, but I have lots of uh, writing in other places. There's this amazing book, Va, which is stories by Woman of the Moana. And it is full of amazing writers, including myself. Uh, and that is a wonderful one to get. Um, and there is going to be an anthology of Māori writers coming out soon, which has, again, got me and a number of other great writers coming up. And as I said, um, soon, hopefully, my own book will be coming out to the world. If we want to find out what you're doing, can we follow you on socials anywhere? You can. I'm written by Ari here on Instagram and um, Twitter and uh, Ari here Latham on Facebook. Great. So everybody give her a follow and then you'll be able to find out exactly where and when her books are coming out and how you can buy them. Ari here, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have you had a good first half so far? I'm going to bring on our final act to close this half. Um, if you haven't been to the show before, are you having a good time? Has anyone never listened to the podcast before? Give us a cheer. Wow, lots of people. I probably should have said it in that case. Um, the Guilty Feminist is a podcast. This is all being recorded. So if you've spoken here or you've laughed, that'll be recorded and you'll be able to hear it back. Um, the Guilty Feminist is a podcast about our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities that undermine them. Thank you. Um, so thank you so much for coming out. Give us a cheer if you do listen to the podcast. Give us a cheer if you're enjoying it live. Then keep that cheering going, but make it more like the revolutionary orgy for the incredible Grace Petrie. <laughs> Wellington! How are you doing? Are you having an amazing night so far? Well, I'm going to sing you some songs. Um, I am a folk singer. Um, we got any folk music fans in the house? Cool, yeah, so you'll know, you'll know that what that means. If you're not familiar with folk music, what that means is that I've got two types of songs. I've got angry and sad. Um, <laughs> available for weddings, parties. Um, 
So yeah, I think I know the answer to this, uh, but give me a cheer if you are a feminist. Yes, good, glad to hear it. No one's in the wrong room, that's what, we, that's what we like to check. Yeah, so this is my most feminist song, Wellington, but it is, I have to confess, this is my guiltiest song as well, right? Um, so, because I, I mean, I was brought up, like, my dad got me into music and I was brought up by him sort of listening to, like, Bob Dylan and the Beatles and Fleetwood Mac and stuff and, uh, you know, all the kind of classics. And I really, and it was, you know, it's kind of through those, those artists that I really... Um, developed my like songwriting sort of style and I really absorbed from those artists I really absorbed the idea that's quite prevalent in in like rock music of the of the woman as the muse right do you know what I'm talking about by this like so like it's it's a very classic thing in music that you know there's all these songs about you know this this woman broke my heart and this woman done me wrong and you know and uh, and I was you know over lockdown I was sort of reflecting on on this and I was thinking that's actually bullshit, isn't it? That's actually quite a fucking misogynistic idea because, you know, you never get the other side of the story, do you? You never get the woman's version of events. And I thought, this is bullshit. And then, Wellington, I realised with no small degree of embarrassment that you can say the same thing for my entire back catalogue as well. <laughs> <laughs> I have really rather built a career <laughs> on writing songs about women that done me wrong. Um, uh, none of them deserved it. Well, one, well, anyway. Um, <laughs> in an attempt to atone for my sins, I have written a song <laughs> about all my other songs, uh, and it's called No Woman Ever Wants to Be a Muse, which is an idea that I hope you can get behind while it's in a guess Have we got any Fleetwood Mac fans in tonight? You're going to fucking hate this. <laughs> to the girl I knew in sixth form long ago It took me 16 years or more to know That she probably didn't thank me For the songs that I wrote for her Well I wrote this one for me And looking back I think they all work as I grew Up in a world where the tragic hero always gets the girl I set the scene and I wrote the script And I handed her a leading role and she never wanted it Because no woman ever wants to be amused To be dragged over hot coals, to be slandered, to be used So you can sing the world your inauthentic blues and be the bravest, be the smartest, the most deeply tortured artist. Tell me who in their right mind would ever choose to be a muse. Well, I wish for all the world I knew back then to not repeat the deeds of famous men who took just one perspective because it gave them a good villain. Absolve them of their sins and in the process made a killing Best be warned not to believe This bleeding heart I wear upon my sleeve For all the pain it might imply There's another one out there somewhere with no right of reply Cos no woman ever wants to be amused to be dragged over hot coals To be slandered, to be used So you can sing the world your inauthentic blues 
can be the bravest, be the smartest, the most deeply tortured artist. Tell me who in their right mind would ever choose to be a mute. To be amused Yeah, and maybe Stevie Nicks Really drove him out his mind But maybe Lindsay should have gone his own way too And we'll never know the girl Who wasted Dylan's precious time Or if he left her tangled up in blue Well, I guess they both have versions But we all know just the one And all I really know for certain Is it made a damn good song Cos history's written by the victors Yeah is made to last and I dread the day I'll have to answer for the songs of breakups past because no woman ever wants to be amused to be dragged over hot coals to be slandered to be used so I could sing the world my inauthentic blues and be the bravest and the smartest and most deeply tortured artist yeah no woman ever wants to stand accused of the crimes that you wrote for her while professing to adore her while disparaging her honour with all you projected on her while you revelled in the glory telling one side of the story yeah no woman in this world would ever choose to be amused yeah no I've looked at it both ways don't believe a word I say and beware of anyone who ever views you as a muse because no woman in this world would ever choose to be a muse. Thank you very much, Wellington. We'll see you after the break. Grace Petrie, everybody. Grace, 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 don't go anywhere. Happy birthday, Grace. Happy birthday, Grace. She's done all of the dates. She's really exhausted, and on her birthday, she's come here to entertain you. So everybody has to... So you probably didn't get the email. Um, not all of you would have got the email about the presents. So just any sacrifice that you might make to a Greek god, you know, a lock of hair, a bit of poetry, uh, a, a, a denim jacket, just leave the offerings on the stage, at the front of the stage at interval, and then, you know, we'll have the, the, the typical feminist, uh, you know, ancient birthday ritual after the interval. Uh, Grace Petrie, everybody! See you after the interval! So, that was the first half. Join us for part two, which should be in your feed right now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.